my kids are small, my wife's too young, I need to live. And so, God, touch me. Sometimes we just got to get a little desperate, don't we? And uh, anyway, we pray and we believe and we lay hands. When I was going across the parking lot of the hospital this morning, the, the scripture and the song came up in my spirit, Whose Report Will You Believe? And I sang that song all the way into the elevator. said, Whose Report Will You Believe? We Shall Believe the Report of the Lord. His report says I am healed. His report says I am free. His report says I have the victory. Hallelujah. So, you know, I refuse to pray a deathbed prayer over anybody. I prayed for him, for God to touch him. And you know what? As soon as I laid my hands on him, and maybe they're watching in the room right now, he opened his eyes, and he had the, the oxygen mask on. He was trying to talk to me a little bit. And he does this little thing where he goes, Woo! when you pray for him. And he kind of went, whoo, you know, a little bit. I said, he's getting touched. And uh, I just sat there with Sister Di, and he talked. He wanted him to roll him over a little bit more on his side. So he's got a little fight left in him, even though it didn't look real optimistic. You know, if you're fighting in your spirit, the Lord is fighting with you and for you. And so, you know what? Let's keep praying and believing for God's touch from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. And like I told her, I said, you know, God's a miracle-working God. He can do a miracle any moment that he chooses to, no matter how bad it looks at the moment. And I was sharing with her, I said, you know, people are in war, and they get blown up halfway, and they... They salvage them and bring them back to the hospital and they live. Well, there's no reason why we can't live. So I'm not trying to just make it to heaven. I want to live and be effective now, don't you? I prayed for Nelson's mother in the hospital. She's still in there? Hey, amen. He said she's out. Well, you know what? I prayed with her. And she was getting touched. I tell you, she loves the Lord, doesn't she, Nelson? And she was praising God in there. She Instead of me praying more for her, she says, you need to be praying for Nelson. He needs all the help that I could give him. I said, well, I'll be there. I've been his pastor now for about, I don't know, 15 or 16 years, a while. Anyway, anyhow, God is on the throne. He really is. And uh, I want you to go with me. Pastor Ken, you got your microphone ready? We're going to get into this. Healing the Broken Heart, Part 9. And I'm talking this time about recovering of sight to the blind. And that's a double-edged meaning there. Go ahead and read Luke 4, 18 and 19 for us again, if you would. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. 
to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Yeah. Doesn't have the day of the vengeance of our God in that particular occasion because Jesus didn't read that. He wasn't ready to do vengeance at that point. He said, this is the acceptable year of the Lord. And it's been that way for a while now. This is an acceptable time for the Lord to do what the Lord does. And uh, part of that, again, to heal the broken hearts, but now to recover sight to the blind. I, I've counted now either people with one eye or both eyes blind has been healed when we lay hands on them. And so I didn't have faith for one at one point, and I threatened God that I wouldn't go back to Mexico if he put somebody in front of me and didn't heal them. You know what? He healed them because he wanted me to keep going to Mexico. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, you can't threaten God, but God, I think he gets a kick out of us sometimes, and he decides, well, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and heal this one. So your faith is boosted because I didn't have faith. Even I didn't think of a mustard seed for it, but I was ready. I, I went ahead by faith and prayed for the girl, and she was healed. And ever since then, I've seen many people healed of blinded eyes. I'll never forget the 87-year-old woman in Guayaquil, Ecuador. I was with Norm Spencer, and I preached at a, a Baptistical church. It was a Baptist church that got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And they were spirited. They had dancers with the banners. It was just lovely. And I preached, and then I was telling the story of that girl getting healed. This older lady stood up and waved, and her granddaughter walked her up to the front. I said, well, what can I do for you? And she said, I haven't been able to see for the last 15 years. She was 87 years old. And she said, I haven't seen my grandkids a lot of them. I hadn't seen my great-grandkids. And I laid hands on her and prayed and believed. And God opened her eyes that day. She began to weep and cry and laugh and raise her hands. Eighty-seven. Some of you may think out there that are watching that, well, she's 87. Maybe it's her time to just go be with the Lord. Well, hey, she can go with eyes, seeing, if it is. If it's not, let her see and enjoy her life for a little while longer. You know? Why do we think such negative thoughts sometimes, see? God wants to recover our sight. But I believe in this passage, he's not just talking about visible, physical eyesight. He's talking about spiritually and soulfully opening the sight of the blind to see. And then in Psalm 147, 1 through 3. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God. Amen. For it is pleasant and praise is beautiful. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers together the outcast of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Amen. You know what? When you get in between situations and you're wondering, what am I going to do? Come on, what are you going to do? You should praise the Lord. <laughs> he said, even the outcast. I always had that saying, Lord, give me the ones that nobody else wants. Now they want you. Isn't that something? When you come over here, you become valuable. Then the other churches want you. 
Well, they can't have you now. We claim you. Amen. Anyhow, you know, he wants us to have a, an attitude that praises God. No matter what's going on. And he will heal the broken heart in you. And he will bind up your wounds. You know, wounds are painful. But like I've told you over and over, when you're healed, they're not wounds anymore. They're just scars. You may have a memory of an event, but it doesn't have to hurt you anymore. It's just a memory. You can remember bad things, but praise God, you're not in the middle of that anymore. And that's what he wants to do is recover your sight so that you can see something that is better than what you think there was. Statement one is this. Recovering a sight to the blind is not only physical, but it's spiritual. And the word recover or recovery in the Greek is anablepsis. And it means, first of all, the anapart means to do it again. I love that song, that he would do it again. You know, Dee Murphy, when she was with us, used to sing that. He'll do it again. Oh, he'll do it again. And I don't remember the rest of the words, but they were so good. Anyway, he will do it over and over again for you. He will touch you. He will heal you. He will lead you. He will show you. And the blepsis part means to be, to behold. When you behold something, you see it. Isn't that something? You know, something surprises you. Wow, you behold it. Maybe you've never seen it that way before. We call that an aha moment. Aha. You saw it. God's opened your eyes. He's opened your heart. He's opened your ears. To be able to believe, amen? Well, my, this crazy thing. I talked too long, and now I've got to get it out there again. I've tried to buy into this thing. Well, there we go. There it is. Okay. Just got to be reminded to put my finger on it once in a while and jiggle it a little. And it will stay lit up for me. But to behold, to see it. God wants you to see it. Now, how do you get your eyes open? You want me to explain it to you? I preached a revival in 2000. The whole thing, I think, was based out of chapter 9 of Matthew. That first assembly. Now they call it Bluff First. And we had such a good revival. But it talked about the mercy of God. Coming to the mercy of God. It's those that need mercy that are going to get it. If you're prideful, you're not going to get much mercy. But if you humble yourself and you come before the throne of God, He will give you mercy. Mercy is something that you don't deserve. You know, you deserve punishment for your sins. But he extends mercy instead. And he also gives you grace, which you don't deserve either. But he gives you grace in spite of it. And so the Holy Spirit, what he does, number two, the Holy Spirit takes us back to see the spiritual application 
of safety over fear and rejection. He will show you things so that you can see God was in the middle of it. He was there all the time. You know, there was even a song like that. He was there all the time. I don't know if that's exactly right, but it's a good word. He was there all the time. No matter what you're going through, when you lean on Him, He's there. You may think, where is God in the middle of this? He may let you suffer a little bit, but, you know, in the middle of your suffering, something is happening. God is maneuvering pieces and parts of a puzzle to show you what He's about to do. Number three, the Holy Spirit shows you Jesus and how He overwrites your trauma with truth. And the truth is, He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you to the end of the age. So no matter what you're going through, He is there. You could go to the heavens and He is there. You could go to the bottom pits of hell and He is there. Nobody can get away from the presence of God. Jesus Christ paid the price so that He can be there. The Holy Spirit is there. In 1 Corinthians 12 and 8, Pastor Ken, it talks about a word of knowledge there. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. Yeah, the word of knowledge reveals about your past and your present, and it brings you into that place to where then a word of wisdom can be given. And uh, Sister Virginia and Brother Sherman's at their house, God's powerhouse, they call it the hot seat. Bob was telling me at, when we were talking on Tuesday, he said, you know, when we go out there, she won't let just one of us sit on the hot seat. He said, now, because they're engaged, they have to sit on it together. So they both get hot at the same time. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank God for the fire of God that goes in and reveals things. Makes you nervous, though, doesn't it, Brother Bob? To get on that hot seat. You don't know what the Holy Ghost is going to say. You know, he might push you and he might open things up. Anyway, it, it'll turn out good in the long run. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 14. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. Mm. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Amen. How many want to get that place and the stuff that God has for you, the things that 
you haven't seen or even heard. That's how glorious it is for you. Well, you know, it comes by the Spirit. He reveals it by the Holy Spirit, what it is. You know, it's awesome. I had a vision in 1985. That was 38 and a half, or wait a minute. This is 2022. It's 37 and a half years ago. In January, to be 38 years. I feel like Moses. You know, am I going to have to wait to the 40th year to, to raise a rod and cross over the Red Sea or something? You know? But God, what does He do? He shows you something, Nelson, because once you see it, you cannot unsee it. And so when He reveals to you, in the spiritual things, then you can't deny it. It You look here, and there it is. You look over here, and there it is. My wife and I sat down at McAllister's, and we were getting ready to eat, and there were some people from our past that came and sat down at the table right next to us. And they had been associated with the Christian school. And the guy told me, he says, you know what, we need another Christian school. I smiled, and I said, yes, we do. And he said, it needs to be a good one. You know. And uh, he said, there's lots of people in this town that would attend a Christian school. I said, oh, yeah, I know how to do it, too. I know how to lay out a Christian school. I've done it. I led this one from 90 kids to 220 in two and a half years, and then I founded one in Florida that went from zero to 120 in about two or three years. And we had a daycare with about 80 kids in it. You know, about 200 kids. You know, if there's not very many, we got something at the First Baptist Church, we got something at Sacred Heart, maybe there used to be something at the Lutheran Church, but I don't think it's there anymore. And we got Westwood Baptist. I think we need a Holy Ghost-filled school. Yeah. We need something where kids can come and be touched or they won't be able to stay there because the presence of God will be so strong. We can have a spiritual emphasis week where they just seek God the whole week and they'll be smart because God will help them. You know? We could really have a great school one day. And I've been waiting a long time. I don't, I'm tired of waiting, Lord. I'm ready to get going on this stuff. So, hello. Let's see it happen. But the Holy Spirit, you know, He shows you, and you cannot unsee it. When you come before the mercy seat of God, and when I had that vision, that's what I was doing. I, I was hungry. I, I had not had too many. I'd had some spiritual experiences, but I hadn't had that free flow. And I was a youth pastor at Grace United Methodist Church, and I was on my knees in prayer. I'd fasted that whole first week of January, and on Friday, the fifth day, I knelt down to pray in front of a love seat in my office. I'll never forget. It was yellow. That thing was ugly. But it was a good prayer place. 
and I knelt down. I'd been reading the first six chapters of Joshua about crossing over the Jordan River and taking the promised land. And God showed me the promised land for this area. When I saw it, see, because it's 10 a.m., I remember looking up and I was kneeling. You know, sometimes I would kneel, sometimes I walked. How many of you like to walk when you pray? How many of y'all like to kneel when you pray? Or lay on your face? Yeah, that's another good way. If you lay on your side, that's dangerous because you'll want to get a pillow and you'll go to sleep. But I was kneeling, and all, I looked at 10 a.m., boom, I was gone for three hours. I saw a vision for three hours. And it had the church, it had the counseling center, it had uh, a school, Bible college, nursing home it had apartments I saw four places I drew this on a sheet of paper I got out several sheets and taped them together and I drew everything that I saw my wife is my witness and I tell you what I, I won't tell you what it, it's getting a little sticky now so but I'll tell you this once you see it you cannot unsee it I cannot ever have a vision somewhere else or to do something else. Man, I tell you what, I've thought about it at times. Lord, I could just go back into coaching and I could have a good time, but I wouldn't enjoy it because this thing would torment me. He wants to open your eyes. He wants to open the sight to the blind. But see, I came before the mercy seat of God. And the thing about the mercy seat is that it is, it was, you know, where Aaron's rod had budded. The Ten Commandments were in there. And they would apply blood on top of it, you know, for the sins of the people. But once Jesus came, we didn't need the old one anymore. And he said there it was a replica of what was in heaven. Now they had carved angels on that mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant. But the one in heaven, I don't think it's carved with angels. I think there's real angels standing at the ends of the mercy seat. And when you come before the mercy seat of God, what is He going to do? He opens up your eyes. See? Jeremiah 33, 3, it's not in my notes, one of my standard scriptures on the prophetic. Ask, and I'll show you. I'll tell you, and I'll show you great and mighty things that you did not know. When you get desperate and hungry, and you want to touch God, you want Him to open your eyes, He will do it. And that's what that word meant. And I will show you great and mighty things. Well, the word show is a word that was connected to the mercy seat. So when you come to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to hear a word from you. I want to know something from you. Then that's when you are at the mercy of God and he shows you. That's what the mercy of God is for. It's to open your up, you up. It's to open your eyes to see. So when he says, I'll tell you and I will show you great and mighty things, 
He's, it's because you've come and you've laid down your heart before the throne of God. The throne of Jesus Christ, guess what? I believe it is the mercy seat in heaven. He's the only one that is privileged and has paid the price by his own blood to be shed to apply it to the mercy seat of heaven. So he sits on that mercy seat as his throne with angels on both ends. And you come before him and you lay it on the line. You say, God, I want to see. I want to know you. I want to know what it is that you're going to do with me. And he says, look, I'll show you things. I'll show you even though you were abused or even though you were cursed at or even though you were put down or I will show you even when you thought you weren't worth two cents or like somebody said you'd never amount to anything. He said, I'll show you different. And he opens up your eyes. And you see. And when I came before the Lord that morning, Friday, first Friday of 1985, been fasting five days, I had that vision. You know what I did? I didn't go seven days. That vision was so awesome, I had to go to Shoney's the next morning and eat breakfast at the breakfast bar. It, it's, it was where El Tapatio, or not El Tapatio, El Acapulco is uh, now. That was where Shoney's used to be. And so I went to breakfast there. Last time I ate breakfast there was, I don't know, 1990-something with Ronnie Webb, Bishop Ronnie Webb. He came and we met. I was prophesying to him in Shoney's. Pretty crazy, wild, as usual. But statement four is this. God has promises that are so great, and he, he wants us to see them. See, Read Hebrews chapter 4, 12 through 16, Pastor Jim. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Uh -huh. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. But we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He does surgery. I'm going to give you some quick points. Number one, or I don't have them numbered, but the word of God is sharp as a surgeon's knife to deal with the whole man, body, soul, and spirit. Now, he doesn't cut between your soul and your spirit lest you die. Because if you die, you're going someplace. If you know Jesus, you're going to heaven. If you don't know Jesus, you're going to a place that's very dark and hot. Hotter than the seven times hotter that was in when the three Hebrew children were thrown in the fire. Hell is going to be a horrible place. We should not want anybody we know to go to hell. You know what? I'd almost wish God would show every person in our church a vision of hell and the people in it because if they did, 
we would be desperate to win souls and bring them into church and be a part of the body of Christ. You know? But see, he, he cuts in your soul. How many of y'all have had emotional battles sometimes? Be honest. Say amen. All right. Sometimes we get depressed. Sometimes we are confused. We don't know what's going on. Why did this happen? Why did this happen to my family? Why did it happen to me? Why did this happen to my co-workers? Why did this happen to my friend? You know, this is not right. This is not fair. And yet God, Jesus, the surgeon, the Holy Ghost there, he cuts your soul and deals with your emotions. He deals with your thought life. He deals with your decision making. He does surgery on your soul. It says he cuts even into the body. See, your spirit, some have to have surgery on their spirit. Why? Because maybe they played with Ouija boards. Maybe they were raised by a witch. Maybe they practiced some of the occult. Maybe they were in a secret society that practiced certain things. We don't know all what's going on, but sometimes people have got to have surgery on their spirit man. They've got to be cleansed. Their spirit has to be cleansed. Actually, your spirit, soul, and body all have to be cleansed. But then he says he also, it's sharper than a two-edged sword to the division of the bones and marrow. Well, your marrow is what produces your blood. Without marrow, you can't live either. So see, he can do surgery on the marrow. Brother Bruce Dawson had a bone marrow transplant up at the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota. And he is cancer-free right now. He's, he responded well to it. He's doing good. But you see, God can go in and even heal your body. He can touch your bones. He can touch your marrow. See, he, can't, he won't separate them because what will happen? You'll die. But he can go in and he can tweak this and that and the other. He can heal your lungs. He can heal your heart. I prayed for Ken's dad in the Missouri Baptist Hospital one time. I was associate pastor at House Springs. I don't know where you were, Michigan or Wisconsin or somewhere then. But I was in my 20s, and I went up there, and I laid hands on him, prayed for him. And I can't claim the credit for it. I give the glory to God. But he was shouting and raising his hands and speaking in other tongues. And they didn't know what was going on. And they came in there, and they gave him a test on a heart that he was supposed to have had a heart attack and had a bad heart. And they tested his heart after that. And they said, you got the heart of an 18-year-old. He didn't die of heart problems. He died from prostate cancer. But, you know, why do we even die at all? Well, fall man, there's a lot to that. But Anyhow, but God healed Uncle Bob's heart. God went in there and he did spiritual and physical surgery. And don't you know I did it again? I'm going to see if I can just look at the paper. I'm almost done. Uh, the next part, he sees all and he knows all. Did you know that? When you go to bed tonight, 
He sees everything. When, when you're at the dinner table, that's why nobody can put a facade up and get away with it. They can act like everything's nice and they're sweet and good, but at home maybe they're cursing their family or something like that, and they're not going to get away with it because he sees it all and he knows it all. But when we come into the kingdom, we know God. He will show us that that was painful. I had some painful things in my upbringing. But you know, none of those things hurt me anymore. I talk about them freely. You've heard me talk about it. It don't bother me anymore. It just gives a little definition to who I am and why I am the way I am. Because I went through it. God healed me of it. He allowed me to grow through it and to get to where I can talk to other people about it so that they can be helped. And I'll tell you right now, my father suffered. You know, he's a lot smarter than me. He was a lot more talented than me. But yet, I've been in the ministry full time a lot longer than he was because he suffered. He suffered breakdowns and so on. He is almost too smart, the way I put it. But in spite of it, God still worked. You know, I, I say I lacked a lot of things, but on the other hand, no, I didn't. Hey, I thought cornbread and beans and ham were exotic foods. I didn't know it was just cheap. My mom could really make beans and, and ham and cornbread taste really good. <laughs> she could make dumplings. I'd go over there and help her. She get she didn't make the her dumplings from scratch. Sister Virginia probably does hers from scratch. Don't you? Well my mom got the biscuits and you you she'd let me peel the thing and crack that thing on the side of the, the counter and it'd go boom and it'd open up and you peel out pull out the little biscuit. She had a roller pin, and we'd get to roll that thing out. Man, that little biscuit's about like that and about that thick. We could roll it out about a foot long. And then we'd cut it up and drop them, you know, have them ready and drop them in the boiling water or whatever with the chicken. She'd boil the chicken, man, put that chicken in there. It tasted good. I didn't realize how cheap it was, you know. You could buy those biscuits like three for a dollar, or probably back then five or six cans for a dollar when we were kids. Man, I thought it was exotic food once again. It was good. You know, so, you know, I wasn't deprived of a meal. I, I went down to Ricky and Terry and Randy and Brian Allen's house two doors down. Their daddy worked for Jackson Dodge. He made a good living. And I went over there on a Friday night one time, Pastor Ken, and they had hamburgers. Man, I didn't realize somebody could have a hamburger that big around and about that thick, and these boys would eat like three of them. I didn't know you could even have more than one. I thought it was a treat just to get one hamburger. Man, they were eating three burgers. Them boys were growing, too. They said, and... Uh, the dad, he always called me KK. I don't know why he called me that. Kevin was my name. You know. He'd say, hey, KK, come over here. He'd say, let's fix you up. 
and he slapped that burger down on that bun and put the cheese and the everything. I said, oh, my goodness, what did I do? God, die and go to heaven? You know, I'm in burger heaven tonight. I didn't realize you could have thick burgers like Hardee's. Uh, you're getting hungry? I am too. You know I'm about done because they're talking about food already. But it's just the way it is. He superimposes, rewrites, overwrites truth on top of your lack, on top of your trauma, on top of when you were less. Now you're more. It's pretty awesome. That's how much God loves you. He sees all and knows all, and he knows how to open your eyes to see the promises. And Zach even sang that song, the promises are yes and amen. So good. We see our high priest of our salvation who understands us. Man, when you start seeing Jesus in the middle of everything, then you begin to understand what your salvation is all about. You're not saved so that you can be in poverty and be sick, infirmed, and half-starved to death. My mother-in-law would always say, Well, Kevin, why, why does God allow people to be without food in Africa and things like that? And I had to tell her, I said, It's because their leaders chose the wrong kind of government and they suppress their people and they have tribal wars going on all the time and, and they don't ever learn how to make enough food. You know, the African continent is the richest continent on earth. I don't know if you knew that. Zimbabwe, they can scrape the top of the ground and find diamonds and people are bringing diamonds in, trading it for a loaf of bread, not understanding how valuable diamonds are wild why because they're hungry but they don't understand Malcolm they don't see they just see these shiny rocks we can just give them and we can get some bread eat for the day when the diamonds probably provide enough money they could eat for a lifetime but isn't that the way it is God doesn't want his people to have blinded eyes where they can't see his promises and the things that you can't even believe. He's got such things for you and for I. We can then come boldly to the Lord on his throne, and he will help us with his grace and his mercy for our need. When you know that you are beloved, you know, sometimes if a child grows up or they haven't grown up and they get adopted into a family that loves them. What a wonderful thing. You know, that's exactly the picture of God. God adopts us as his sons and his daughters and his family and now we got promises and we have expectations that are beyond what we could have ever had on our own. God's a good God. 
He's got good things for you. Psalm 137, 1 through 6, I believe. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For there those who carried us away captive asked of us a song. And those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the, the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. If I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above all my chief joy. You know, they were so sad because they'd been made captive. How many people do you know today? You know, wasn't that terrible last night in the voting that came through that Missouri? I was so disappointed in my state. They voted to allow recreational marijuana use in the state of Missouri. Oh, they'll probably go and put a $10 bill in. They'll get a pack of marijuana. Now, they'll probably start putting filters on them and that thing. They'll be making all kinds of tax money but it's the people that think that's going to make them feel good and people that want to be high, you know, and misuse and abuse their bodies, their lungs. And they said it's okay. Well, see, we're going down this path where evil gets worse and worse. And the Bible says they'll call evil good and good evil. Oh, what about a woman's right? You know, I'll get on my soapbox again. You know, a woman should have a right. It's her body. Well, you know what? Is that little baby inside a human being? Are you God that you have the right to kill a baby? See, we've gone down a road. Thank God that Supreme Court's slowing this train down a little bit. But still, evil good and good evil. God opens up our understanding to see things that we haven't seen before. And it will turn people. You know, I was the chairman of the board of First Choice Women's Center in Miami-Dade, Monroe County. And it's amazing, Miami-Dade went for DeSantis voting for governor. He's a conservative. And... Uh, that was miraculous, really, that he won so big there. But we had three centers. We had a, a, a truck, an RV that went around to campuses. We'd give girls pregnancy tests at the college campuses. But we got a sonogram machine or ultrasound machine. And I'm going to tell you, 99 out of 100 girls that saw their baby on the screen wouldn't get an abortion. See, before they were just told it's a blob. It's not real life. It's just a fetus. And it's, it's corruption, a lie, deception. It was a baby. When they see that little baby in there moving around, you know, they usually couldn't do an abortion. See, God, he can open eyes of the blind to see and when they see 
what did I tell you earlier? I'll kind of end with this. Once you see, you cannot unsee it. That's why when a girl sees that baby, man, all of a sudden she's picturing that baby with, you know, her little outfits or his little outfits on. Uh, Bob was telling Danielle, saying how Lyrica, her little face, her little round face, looks like Zach when he was little like that. Because we used to come home on vacation, and Zach would come, and Alicia, and then uh, Nicholas, and then Chelsea. You know, first, Zach was the first one to come. And two years later, Alicia come along. But I remember Zach, an uh, Easter when he was walking, and I had him in his little suit. He had a suit and a little bow tie, Chelsea. And I was videoing him. And he was walking around. He looked like a lyric. He was just walking around so proud of his little suit and his bow tie. And he was giggling and jabbering away. You know, once you see... You can't unsee. See? When you get that picture, we had a lady in our church named Doreen Wortham, and she was an ultrasound lady. And she would give us free ultrasounds. We'd go up, see her in her office. She'd make the little thing out for us. And uh, we'd take it home and look at it. And we'd see our babies. You know, once you see them, they're human beings. One day they're going to come out, and they're going to be cute. And they're going to be fun. They're going to be stinky. Got to change diapers. You know, you have fun. I'll never forget. Lucia went to see her mom with Melly or something after uh, a storm or whatever we had. I don't remember what it was. I had all four kids. And I, I said, what am I going to do with four kids? I, man, I got to take care of all these kids. You know? And... Uh, I said, okay, where y'all want to eat breakfast? McDonald's! Breakfast Happy Meals. So we went there. Well, you know, things. we went to the zoo. Things are always expensive in the zoo or at Six Flags or Disney World. So I said, well, we're not going to eat in here. Let's go somewhere. Where you want to eat lunch? McDonald's! So we went and had a Happy Meal for lunch. And then I got them all carted up. They were tired. They were ready to go home in the afternoon. I got them in the van or whatever I was driving at the time. And I said, okay, where y'all want to eat supper on our way home? McDonald's. I fed them kids at McDonald's three times that day. I was telling them, don't tell your mom. Probably wasn't right to say that, but I said, don't tell you. First thing, one of these little booger bears, you know. I don't know if it's Chelsea or Nick. It was usually the youngest ones. They always piped up and said something. Well, wh what'd you do? We went to the zoo. Oh, what did, did you go eat some? Yeah, we ate at McDonald's for breakfast. And one of the other said, and lunch. And the other one said, and dinner. She said, you went three times to McDonald's? I was in trouble. <laughs> but you know what? He wants you to see. He wants you to have sight so that you can believe for things. Yeah.
I had a vision. So you know what I did when I left here and moved to Florida? I just built the same thing down there. Why do you think I believe that I can build it again? Because I've done it already. God has plenty of money. He owns the cattle on a thousand hillside. I built a five million at that time. Now it's worth about seven million dollars. Complex. Uh, we can do that again. I can do it cheaper here because we can do it out of metal buildings instead of concrete blocks that are made to be like fortresses against hurricanes. You know, ninety-six thousand pounds in the footage of concrete. That don't even include the slab, six-inch slab on top of it. You know, you know why they make it that strong? Because they don't want the wind blowing it away. The wind can't even pick it up. It's so heavy. But anyway, I'm just talking now. How many of y'all want to see? You want to come before the throne of God and have Him open your eyes so that you have sight for your future and for your healing you can't get healed from your past totally until you have a view for your future to where you'll let go of the hurts of the past and embrace you know brother Gorman always said it like this he said son you can never take a bone out of a dog's mouth unless you hold a steak up He'll drop the bone every time and go for the steak. Well, God wants to show you the steak so you'll drop the bone called your past and let him heal the hurts so that you can plow forward and become what God wants you to be. Stand with him. Thank you, Lord. I give you praise, honor, and glory tonight, God. I know that you want to heal hearts. You want to help lives be developed and evolve into what you have for them. I ask you, Lord, to open their eyes to see. Let them come before the mercy seat of God and Jesus and open up their hearts and you will show them. You'll open their eyes at the mercy seat of God and you'll allow them to see that because of your mercy and your grace, they are allowed to become the awesome child of God that you have ordained them to be. And I ask you to give them the grace for it, that they can receive it, that they can accept it, that they can honor you by living their lives in the positive instead of the negative. Take that negative out of them in the name of Jesus and fill them up with your love. Amen and amen. Well, God bless you. I, I didn't feel it was different tonight. We had something really positive going. You just... Go in your prayer closet and you ask God to start showing you stuff. Good stuff. Amen? All right. Well, that's where I usually go. Well, the other one's up there somewhere.